podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, so we're back following a better weekend all round, featuring a celebratory voice note for Sleeper's goal sent to me while I was in a pit of despair, having benched him for Ben White. I hate that guy, Sam, I really do. Although the lucky assist for the sixth goal happily gave me some succor. As we stand on the edge of the first mainline deployment of Chip Hughes in the season and kind of the big headline double game week the first one i think obviously there have been there's been a smaller one but we're here for that one to zoom in on what's going down i'm joined by the sender of that voice note in error of course sam how are you mate all good yeah very well thanks firstly i'd like to officially apologize for that voice note it was very uh very innocent at the time i genuinely no, forgot that you'd bench saliva um so i sent him a little voice note with with the saliva song and then as i was sending the voice note i saw the rest of the messages he was sending i was ah, i've really messed up here but anyway it didn't matter because as i told you white had plenty of time left to get some sort of points on the board and it didn't really hurt us that much anyway so yeah overall um a good week for both of us i think um i think we're both pretty much nailed onto green arrows as it stands and yeah we're much we're in a much more positive mood than at the start of last week's show before the foden hat trick of course in the meantime, we are Who Got The Assist. On today's pod, uh, the content play will be about loading up for the double or doubles, as we know are coming on the horizon. In this case, a mid-season double, which carries a lot of promise with two of the biggest teams having those doubles. But following blanks and throwing uh, throwing up strategic problems from those said blanks, how do we want to balance the urge to buy in a lot of the doublers versus the onward team balance that we're going to have to consider. Bold Claims makes a return this week once again, uh, back to blanks again, unfortunately, for both of us, but we weren't a million miles off. Game week preview, uh, again, a new format that we trialled last week. It seemed to go quite well, so we'll go again on that one. Um, for the second half of the pod, we'll be previewing the next game week rather than assessing the more strategic topics that we will be doing in the first half and covering all the big questions as we try and get locked in for double game week 25 of course within that we'll have listener questions as well so no worries there it is monday the 12th of feb it is half time in the palace chelsea game one nil to palace at the moment alerma screamer and nothing to speak of from palmer so far who is in yeah. both of our teams Fingers crossed for a better turnout in the second half, but it's not looking great at the moment. However, shall we move on to scores on the doors for the time being? Yeah, let's do it then. And uh, yeah, you've uh, well had a, just a couple of the <laughs> Saliba versus White and just the Trent versus Doughty seem to have been kind of the main differences for you um, getting even more out of my reach just by you know, just, just one point at a time, really, isn't it? Something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take those narrow wins as they come. I mean, this week has been great. I think I, I sent you another less offensive voice note before the game week started saying I felt really positive about this week. I thought we both looked really well set up. Yeah. I was quite positive about the way that we've sort of landed on a good run for our teams. And hopefully that will continue into double game week 25 as well. Um, but so it proved to be for once as well. So 81 points from me so far, that's including Palmer's one point at half time. That could increase, it could also decrease. But either way, that's 400k up to 
252 as it stands. So I'm very, very happy with that. That's good progress. And with the doubles and chip season on the on the horizon, I'm glad to have uh, a couple of back-to-back -back green arrows now to hopefully help me start catapulting up the ranks. But yeah, we'll take it one game week at a time for now. Saliba's goal, I was on the ceiling. Saka scored twice in that game as well. I was beyond the ceiling and somehow up in space and brought down to earth a little bit by Gabriel on the day. But yeah, overall, very happy. It could yet get better or worse, but either way, it should be a pretty sizable green arrow for now. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, similar kind of story for me, slightly fewer points, 74, um, 25% green arrow though still, which is always very nice, up to the top 400k, I think, off the benches. I think it's kind of, yeah, well, we'll see what happens with Palmer. Um, a couple of notes from this weekend. The first one, which I thought was hilarious, is, is, the, is the enduring narrative. Arsenal have a centre forward um, laid out by Sky as a result <laughs> of being the root of all of the attacking sort of inertia. Um, fantastically boring, isn't it? As supercharged by Gary Neville in particular. He seems to seize on it every single time he's in the commentary box. And the um, commentator, I forget who it was, and Alan Smith, uh, they were both saying it um, early doors um, in the uh, in the West Ham game. And it, it really quickly evaporated, <laughs> you know, um, and it never got spoken of again um, after, after that. Um, but yeah, no, it's a very, very annoying little narrative that seems to have cropped up a lot. He was forgetting, you know, Man City and pre-Holland. And yeah, um, very grumpy when Saliba scored. Um, I think it was that feeling that, you know, I'm missing out on on points being scored yet again um, through like a simple sort of benching decision. Um, extremely fortunate as well with the white assist for Rice. I mean, both Odegaard and Trossard, both, both, they both went, yeah. yeah. And both left it and Rice was able to then pick it up and curl in a screamer from miles outside the area. I think just completely aided in the best by the fact that West Ham had effectively down tools. <laughs> so um yeah, very lucky, but I will I'll take it. Geez, so only three points were actually lost by that decision. Um but Sleeve is definitely playing next week. Um lesson learned, which will no doubt mean that White goes on a tear. Um mm. That all good. And um, Doughty came in for Taylor and um, was a very close call between selling him and Byrne. Um, and I kind of wish I'd done Byrne, to be honest, but never mind. Um, I think there were, the, the news before company said, oh, he's looking better was that he was out for a little while. So you never know with these sorts of players that aren't particularly kind of high profile. They're doughty nine chances created and no returns. Um, so yeah, unfortunate, but you know, hopefully all good going forwards, um, etc. etc. and so on and so on. And yeah, decent green arrow in the top 400k now, anyway. And much to consider ahead of double game week to come. Cool. And let's let's, let's start before we kind of go into nuts and bolts of it, um, with this week's kind of contemplate overarching idea which is which is this sort of notion of loading up on doublers you know people always say the pro template sort of argument and i've certainly heard it on a couple of pieces of FPL content i've really listened to today you know i can't resist buying doublers i can't resist loading up completely so in case you're living under a rock uh, four teams double uh, this weekend or this weekend's next week uh, they're liverpool who've got brentford away and luton at home man city with two home games chelsea and brentford uh, luton who've got man United at home and liverpool away and brentford have got liverpool at home and man city away uh, but there's they had a complication we spoke about this a little while ago but just in case you need a refresher uh, there's a blank in 26 for two of those teams were doubling this week so luton liverpool blank plus chelsea and spurs also blank and they're kind of fpl relevant teams so worth note in there so i suppose we should ask you know how do we load up for, for for a double in general but i think this one specifically let's just kind of home in on this one because it gets too complicated to to talk about sort of um uh kind of 
yeah, <laughs> imaginary doubles and things like that. Uh, Luandi, they asked, you know, what's the one piece of advice for next week? And I suppose that kind of gets to the nub of the issue, Sam. I suppose, you know, people people will say kind of that contemplate sort of idea. I can't resist. I'm going to try to get as many doubles as possible and sod the sort of ramifications the next week, especially with this blank incoming. I mean, how do you see all of this? Yeah, so I think if there was one piece of advice, it would be don't lose lose your head this game week. Don't throw the plans out the window just because there are four teams doubling. I Obviously, Man City and Liverpool are going to be very, very important. Man City probably slightly more so at the moment. But I would say the importance of those teams revolve around a very select group of players. And outside of that group of players, I probably wouldn't lose my head just making sure I had six doublers from those two teams and then try and pile in on Luton and Brentford as well. There are specific players within those teams that I think will be important, but just getting coverage at random or at any cost to get as many double game weekers as possible seems like in this particular double to be a little bit of an issue, especially with two of those teams, as you already correctly mentioned, having a blank the following week. Planning is going to be really important. And obviously, chip season is on the horizon. A lot of people were considering free hits in game week 26. But then planning comes into it as well, doesn't it? Because then if you're free hitting in 26, that's at the cost of free hitting in 29 or maybe even in 34, which is another potentially touted uh, time to free hit. So again, just planning ahead and having a think about, okay, what is the opportunity cost of using these things now or but piling into all of these players now? How will that affect me down the line? Even if it's not directly the next game week or the next few game weeks, losing a chip now could mean bigger problems in the future. So it's just measuring how those doubles affect your season right now, how much weight you put on the specific players within those doubles Mm -hmm. and trying to weigh up how important they are to have this particular game week. Because at the end of the day, points will be scored in game week 26, game week 27 and so on. It's not all going to be scored in this game week. So maybe it's not worth just piling in on any random player. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. And I think that that hopefully remains sort of the edge that engaged managers will have and i suspect and we'll see it that people in game week 26 will end up free hitting um lots mm. of kind of semi-engaged casual whatever you want to call them managers will will see there's a problem and they'll use that free hit chip immediately and the, the hope is that that kind of means that there's an advantage for those of us who are prepared for that and i think you know just to arc into behavioral science very quickly and um, this is definitely kind of linked to this idea of involvement and the two typologies of it so there's kind of one which is situational and one which which is kind of enduring and it's, I think the easiest thing to do is explain situational here because it makes enduring really clear as well so situation involvement sam say i'm buying a new dishwasher or maybe better actually got a new car recently so yeah say i'm looking to buy a new car now i don't care about cars i have no interest in them whatsoever i just simply don't care they've never interested me as long as they don't, they're not embarrassing to drive like my old car was but <laughs> it was just so old and crap but <laughs> i was in the scenario where i had to find about cars to make a decision on what to buy so for a while, it wasn't a long time, but I really had to get into understanding cars, which fits all the specifications that me and my partner wanted. So he wants to carve enough space for a baby and all her accoutrement, good fuel efficiency. The old car's really expensive to run, ideally hybrid or electric because I'm more eco-friendly. So they're lo- looking around and I was quite up on cars for a while in the market and what all the options were. I knew loads about it, but as soon as I ordered my car, Sam, all of that knowledge simply just 
sieved away. <laughs> I just had no interest in maintaining that sort of interest in the category. Sounds like necessity. all of my uni lectures, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Yeah, same with me. English literature, don't remember anything about it. Chinese <laughs> economics, forgotten completely. Who cares? Got my piece of paper, I'm out of there. And, you know, it's due to necessity. But once the task had been completed, I didn't have that sort of sustained interest to convert that situational involvement into an enduring one. I don't care about cards enough. And this can be the same for some FPL managers to bring it back to FPL. There's fewer of them now, for sure. There's fewer, fewer kind of less engaged people and probably even fewer listening or watching us. But they're kind of the classic sort of casual. Their engagement is situational, log in once a week, see you scored points, maybe take a look at next week's fixtures, you know, make a transfer, look at the captain decision, and then they log off and leave it till next week. They don't have that kind of depth of interest. And that means their decision making is very much kind of hand to mouth. See a situation, deal with it week to week, injury take a transfer. Need to change my captain because Salah's got better pitch than Holland. I'll do it. Um, so people will see there's blanks next week and just might free hit about looking ahead. And I guarantee you some will. They just don't care about FPL enough to get into it. And that's kind of the contrast between them and us engaged managers, the anoraks who have that enduring engagement. So um, we go beyond the surface, we analyze things like long-term strategy, underlying data, like using the car analogy again, this is people looking at things like horsepower and uh, handling smoothness and whatever, all the details that I just don't really care about. And due to that engagement, we do have an edge uh, in this little period. It's worth saying the edge has been eroded a lot in recent years due to the rise of what you might call spoon-fed content, although I've got no problem with that at all because you know, I welcome the fact that more people are engaged in FPL. But it's worth saying this is why chip season and things like patterns online data, which are often too kind of complex for vanilla content providers in particular to package in digestible detail, means that there is still a little bit of an edge for us engaged managers with that sort of sense of enduring invo involvement. So basically, be assured, like chip season, I think, Sam, always tends to be a net gain if you're reasonably engaged, do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, it's always where I've had my most joy. And I know that if I reach chip season, um, the what we would classically term as chip season in and around the top few hundred K, then I've got a good shout of finishing at a respectable rank that I'd be happy with. So yeah, I, I think if we were to look back at our last seven, eight seasons playing FPL each and I, I, and measure out our net gain versus loss over chip season. I think we would all, especially just if you're listening to this podcast as well, maybe if you've got those results to look back on, I, I think it'd be interesting to see just how many red arrows are within that period where you've used the chips. And I, I would quite strongly suggest that you're not going to have too many. Generally speaking, there will be the odd freak result, of course, but I think over chip season, as a, a cumulative result, you would be massively up, generally speaking. So, yeah, I, I think overall, this is where we gain the most of our edge. And it's not necessarily the week to week stuff. It's more the the way you navigate the entire river of the of the uh, game weeks coming. And that might be a bit of a strained metaphor, but you've got to in a bit like that. Like uh, what what's the sport called? Um, is, is it like kayaking where you're like in and out? <laughs> Yeah, and you're you're basically lining up for the next bit of rapids. And I think that's what we're doing in FPL at the moment. But like you said, there are a lot of managers out there that see the first thing coming and they're like, right, there's a rock in the middle. I need to get round. Yeah. But actually, not just getting around, but positioning yourself well for the next rapids, the next rock in the way, it will be really important to us. So that's where we gain our edge. Uh, by the way, Connor Gallagher's just scored. I just got the live notification. So yeah, if you want to timestamp the pod, that's where we're at right phone, now. Isn't it? You can hear you can hear the whoosh. 
<laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I think you know that that kind of leads us to thinking about this idea that you know I can't resist doublers because I think there will be those who go full tilt. But I think the majority of people who say I don't, I can't, I can't resist doublers, what they mean is I can't resist doublers within reason. I can't resist doublers yeah. without compromising my long-term strategy, which is kind of a quite a prosaic kind of conclusion to come to. But it's absolutely true that like having that balance um, is is key because I need to ensure in my situation, in your situation, probably in everyone's situation, that we've got good coverage, but also a plan going forward to deal with the next road bumps, to deal with that next rock in the middle of the uh, of the figurative uh, rapids that you're going down. Um, <laughs> so I, I suppose kind of thinking about kind of what we've got ahead there's this idea that if you're taking you know, hits or at least using transfers to bring players in this week it is kind of at your own detriment effectively because you're putting those points in the bank so for example for me this week i could buy lewis diaz for example um because i've got like anthony gordon i've got cole palmer i could potentially remove the problem is is that if i then move that forward in game week 26 i'm suddenly down to eight men so I'm going to have to take minus four or minus eight to get uh, minus eight to get to eleven, minus four to get to ten. Uh, it, it kind of starts to get a bit sort of detrimental to my outcomes. I and mean, then if I go to twenty nine, um, I've st- I've got to use transfer to I've used transfer to bring him in. I've got to use another transfer to get him out, and then I've got to use another transfer somewhere else probably to get even more players in twenty nine because I've, I've suddenly got kind of you know six or seven players. Whereas if I use the transfer this week more effectively, then by twenty nine I can have eight or nine players versus kind of six or seven. And there's all these sort of downstreams continue the kayaking metaphor <laughs> <laughs> impacts from the decisions you make at the moment. But there'll be those Sam who say, you know what? You no, know, someone like Luis Diaz this week, who even they've got blank in twenty six and they got blank twenty nine, you can't help but look at those two fixtures for Liverpool and think you know what I'm just going to load up just go for it no matter what and bugger the consequences and I suppose weighing that up is something that do you think comes with experience or do you think it just kind of is situational still for, for me I think it is kind of it, it kind of does come with experience when back in the day I used to kind of try to get as many players as possible in that double no matter what yeah I think experience does weigh into it a little bit because we've all been burnt by those types of players before more specifically in single game weeks I think in single game weeks when we see like a really juicy fixture we want to pile in on a team we want to pile in on a player and it obviously there are situations where it does work out but you also remember the situations where it definitely doesn't and I think those kind of consequences are more exaggerated and burnt into our memories when it's double game weeks because we're probably looking beyond the standard selection of maybe 50 FPL relevant assets quite often. And we're looking towards players that we'd otherwise never really consider. And we're only really looking at them because they've got the double game week. Now, Luis Diaz isn't quite that far down the rabbit hole. He's not He's not down in like the two, three hundredth favourite player in FPL, but Jensen, he's... Th- you know. <laughs> yeah, Jens, Jensen's a good example that someone seems to be very, very interested in or was until he got injured, apparently. Um, but anyway, so there are players that I think, obviously, every now and then they will return. So piling in on, the, on a double game week does make sense to an extent you are taking a chance you are buying a ticket for that lottery and you're getting two tickets because they play tw- twice so that's fantastic however is buying those tickets worth it when you look at the minus fours you're going to have to take especially in this situation specifically with the blanks coming with piling into three starting Liverpool players, especially with the risks around minutes in a, in a select few of them anyway and Luton players as well with with the blank next game week 
I would urge caution looking beyond the players that we know are reliable enough. And I, that is, again, a strained one because Darwin is anything but reliable, but he's got the underlying data. He's got the consistent minutes recently and good performances recently. Whereas if you look a little bit further down the pecking order, I'm, I'm not sure you can guarantee the returns in the same way or take or get as much chance of those returns. Luis Diaz is kind of right on the edge of those two. I'm not really sure which which he falls into, so he might not be the best example, but he's not a player that I'm particularly interested in this game week, uh, mainly because there are just so many other midfielders I like the look of. Um, but yeah, there, there are certainly lots of players in this double game week, especially in Luton and Brentford, that otherwise we would just not be looking at no matter what. And... The last thing I want to do is bin off really good single game week players and players that suit my strategy long term, which we'll come on to in a later mm -hmm. section, just for the sake of chasing the upside yeah. for one week, knowing that that in itself is a risk. And then as soon as game week 25 kicks off and you're looking at your game week 26 team, you're thinking, why have I got Jensen in my starting 11? <laughs> like that is that is the problem that I'd want to try and forecast and map out ahead of time. Yeah, I I do think they kind of I know it's obviously a bit of a, a bit of a joke that sort of the whole thing, but <laughs> the the wider point about Brentford in particular sure. in this scenario is that there's always sort of potentially one team that tickle the boxes. So mm. even though it's not the best double game week in the world, appreciate that you're buying two tickets in the lottery. Of course, Brentford are really good. Like obviously outside of Jensen, you've got Reguillon, uh, Flecken, Tony. If Mbumo was fit, I suspect he'd be in pretty much all of our teams because yeah. they kind of tick all the boxes. They've got Dublin 25, games in 26 and 29 guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So there's always in, in any sort of situation that we're in when we're looking at um, which player do I bring in for a particular double plus I've got to navigate these sort of ongoing obstacles. There's always sort of one team which can can help you out potentially. Um, but you're right that having a coherent plan for transfers is key. And I think you know, you've got to accept that you probably will need a hit or two as well. Um, and you know, in the blank mate and also in the double, I'm not particularly concerned about, uh, I wouldn't be kind of saying you know, take a minus eight take a minus 12 or anything like that i know that you know, andy martin for example was advocating taking minus 12 to get to 11 players in a blank um but i mean i, I don't know i i wouldn't kind of advocate getting that going that far because you, you give yourself too much to do as we as we all sort of know but you know, having having the one or two just to kind of course correct and ensure you're kind of optimizing your team is absolutely fine isn't it um and I suppose the final bit of this, um, if you are kind of in, in the ba in balance mode and you're kind of rejecting the idea that you can't resist going overboard, <laughs> you're not going to be doing that. You're going to be kind of, yes, okay, it's a double. I want to kind of lean into it, but I don't want to kind of completely capsize given the fact that I've leaped too far. Well, we've done so many normal school puns here, Sam. <laughs> Sorry, I started it off. That's, that's all right. <laughs> and minimal, what's the sort of the minimum number of doublers you're looking at for, for kind of 25? Uh, we'll talk about specific players in a second, but I mean, I don't know, for me, it seems kind of five, six, maybe even four would be right as long as the key men are sort of covered. I, th I think four is the answer for me personally. I don't I don't think you need to have five or six. Um, if you've got beyond that as well, there are very likely going to be issues next week because you've probably got the three Liverpool, maybe a Luton in there as well. And then most teams have a couple of Spurs or Chelsea assets in there too. So I think once you get beyond six, unless you've got a plan to free hit the next week, most teams I've seen 
like would have a hit basically banked for next game week unless they've done done some really good planning. They've got two free transfers and they know exactly where those transfers are going to sit next week. But I think I think four is probably the baseline. I think under that, I I think you're not covering off all of the most important ones. I think two City, two Liverpool, especially based on the importance of those those select two City and two Liverpool, um, I think will be fairly important. And then beyond that, getting the third City right and the third Liverpool right could bring you towards a really nice six. Outside of that, you can maybe have a combination of two City, two Liverpool, and then maybe an Ivan Tony or a Alfie Doughty like you've got, or maybe even a double game week keeper. Um, any one of the four, I don't really mind either. But I think once you go beyond six or seven, it, you're quite likely, unless you've really, really prepared the hell out of it, to have issues in the next couple of game weeks as well. So I think... Four is probably the minimum that I'd be happy with. And then after that, every as long as I've covered the correct bases, after that, everything's a bonus, really. Lovely. All right. Well, I think that segues us very nicely into the week ahead. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I suppose we're sort of pro, uh, kind of pro template. Yeah, can't just buy doublers. Of course, you're going to buy doublers, but just make sure that you've got consideration for the time ahead. Um, week ahead preview starts, of course, uh, with bold claims. The week ahead, this whole sort of part of the pod is kind of the B story of the headline act <laughs> but mm-hmm. this week we've got a lot more to talk about in this half so I think we kind of just speed through uh, but bold claims hit we are uh, still 6-5 to me um, it didn't quite work out although I think both claims were absolutely kind of valid claims we're in the ballpark with both yeah so uh, I went with four plus goals and Spurs Brighton the underlying XG numbers in the match suggest it was unlucky not to. And obviously we got to three goals. So yeah, not not a million miles off, but obviously we don't get points for nearlies. Um, as you found out with Darwin this week as well. Didn't quite hit the 10-point haul, but looked good again. Yep, good header. Um, but other than that, didn't quite get there. Um yes, uh, I think it was a big chance miss, wasn't it, at the very end, which yeah. cost him uh, it cost him a couple it cost him at least one bonus. I think he kind of got one kind of tacked on at the very end. Obviously he got did. his customary yellow card as well, and um, both things, uh, which kind of relegated him sadly to just the six that he ended up with. Um God, I'm glad I didn't caption him in the end though. <laughs> definitely yeah. serious consideration. And this week, where, where are you going? Yeah, so I'm going with a slightly different one because it's double game week season. I thought it'd be fun to lean into that. I think we both have. Um, So for me, I'm going with 12 plus goals combined between Man City and Liverpool in the double game week. So that might not sound too bold, but that's an average of three plus goals per match that each of these teams play in. So I think over the spread, that's pretty bold. If we reach 12 plus, we're going to be hitting... Some really decent scores in FPL as well, you'd assume, if any of the main hitters go off. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed for that one. Yeah, I, I yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see that. And obviously, we hope <laughs> having uh, at least two Man City cover, uh, players in, in attacking capacity, that's going to happen. And also mm-hmm. two Liverpool as well. And I've gone for a centre-back being the highest point scorer of this <laughs> this, this, this double game week. Uh, that is pretty bold, I think. Um, but I just remember in the past, you know, like John Stones and, and stuff, uh, completely smashing it. Um, would you be surprised by uh, Van Dyke scoring a... a a couple of headers in both the Not games as well. Uh, hopefully, uh, if we do both go from like a big button in the second, but Nathan Ake doing that, it does always seem to be that centre backs comes at the four in these sorts of uh, double game week scenarios. Admittedly, the fixtures aren't as good as they have been in the past, um, but still, um, that is where I'm going for the bowl claim this week. 
cool. Uh, Lovely. So the key three issues for this week are setting up for Double Game 25, of course, uh, same as last week, but obviously still in jewels. Uh, do Triple Captain and selling single game weekers for doublers and things like that, because that is definitely on the agenda. Um, got a couple of um, AOB bits as well to discuss at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. First one, uh, first question, um, the best captain this week. Um, well, it's a problem with options, isn't it? Yeah, so if you're if you're not watching on YouTube, it's just one big image of Haaland rubbing his hands together. I, I think he is going to be the obvious one for most, right? I think most people, knowing that he's been given decent minutes recently, he's back fully fit and firing. I'd be surprised if he wasn't in and around 200% ownership this game week in terms of effective ownership. Um, so yeah, he'll be heavily favoured. There are other options. KDB might not be a bad shout. And then you've got the Liverpool boys with the double as well. So there will be the odd person out there who will try and go against the grain. But I think most of us will accept that he is the highest expected haul for double game week 25 with good reason. It's two home games. So City don't even need to travel. They've got the Champions League in and around double game week 25, but it is against Copenhagen. So I mean, they'll put up a fight. They've made it to the Champions League knockout round. So that's absolutely fair enough. But you would expect Man City to probably progress at a canter generally. So you again, you'd expect City chasing the league down at the moment. They've got teams to catch right now. They do have the game in hand, of course. But you'd expect them to be going full guns, all guns blazing. And Haaland's going to be a big part of that with two home games against quite leaky defences recently. So, yeah, I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense not just to captain him, but obviously this section is also talking about whether it is the correct opportunity to use the triple captaincy chip on him. Yeah, the FPL review ex- expected points is 13.7 mm-hmm. um, for the double game, which is good enough. I think I, I'm absolutely fine with that. Obviously, so what happens with Copenhagen and things like that. Um, but I feel like there's going to be no contest, really. Um, 300,000 transfers in for Holland already, um, up 0.5 uh, since uh, he came back from injury. Um, I did predict that at the time. We both kind of mentioned that his because ownership had dropped so much that his price is only going to skyrocket and it has uh, much mm-hmm. of the consternation of quite a few people who are um uh, it seems to always happen um <laughs> shouting that it's a conspiracy or something like that but you know that's kind of what happens um i think the you know last week the this week actually um i should say um the effective ownership was still low enough to be all right i mean it's kind of 120 130 kind of percent i suspect that's going to kind of completely right itself and you're probably looking at kind of a hundred as long as it's under 200 percent, that would be nice if it's about 200 percent, well, it doesn't matter because we've tripled but yeah <laughs> hopefully there'll be a few uh, you know some people will talk themselves out of Holland. i hope some i don't know what the justification would be um but any any kind of people who don't captain Holland is great and you know, the usual sort of pricey advice sort of uh fits in there just let other people make the mistake uh, mm. not, uh, when, when we're kind of looking going with them and yeah um do triple um i mean uh james from planet who's got a very good sort of uh, handle on kind of upcoming fixtures kind of did say it's as good as it gets i haven't listened to this week's pod but you no know, the Sol- i think the solanke 28 could be if you aren't interested in this one, um, could be another sort of juncture that you might want to go for it. Sheffield Knights yeah. at home and Luton at home, and that's a good double. Um, so that could be kind of a time to go for it, or whatever 37 and 34 throw up if you don't want to triple here, and um, could be the way to go. I don't know. I just feel like it's absolutely fine, especially now because it's a bit more predictable potentially. Um, around uh, I know they've, they've got Copenhagen, but 
I can't imagine it's going to upend things too much. Um, I think if if there was an injury to Holland, I think that I wouldn't triple captain. I think that I'd then sort of move to bench boosting uh, this Same. week. But that's only yeah. that's only if that didn't happen. At the moment, I think it's just got to be that I just go with that. Really, um, I mean, I have looked at the bench boost. Uh, if I'm honest, um, we've spoken about that in the past that you know you get the bench boost out of the way here rest of the season you then focus on your first 11 and kind of don't have to kind of be too concerned about the bench and i'm not too far off bench boost to be honest sam i mean i've got no nor am i to remove one or two players and we're kind of there um but it it does feel a bit forcey uh, right now um for me, at least. But if you are in a position, I think there's definitely to, to bench boost and your team is kind of looking quite good. It's going to be tough to kind of go against it, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just a FOMO about Holland. You're going to think, oh, you know what? I, I can't overlook that. I, I've, I've got so much fear about what he could possibly do to you if you haven't triple captain and that EO is about 200%. Yeah, I, th- I think if you are close to a bench boost and you can get there with maybe even just a minus four hit, then it may it does make a lot of sense. I do understand the argument for it. And I think one of the key arguments is that there aren't really many other good times that we can confidently say a bench boost is going to be very, very optimal. So 37 is one that a lot of people are looking at at the moment. And, and I will probably be going down that strategy as well, by the way. Um, however, most people will be wildcarding quite a few weeks before game week 37 anyway and we all know that setting up 15 strong players for a bench boost is always hard work especially if you're planning a few weeks in advance so injuries will come in rotation will come in especially because it's so late in the season as well so hits will probably have to fly just to make sure you realign yourself to the perfect bench boost in game week 37 and even if you do because we're so late in the season, because some teams just simply won't have much riding on it at that point, picking the correct 15 at that point is still going to be a gamble. They still could get rested, rotated, etc., etc. So I do understand the logic of bench boosting now if you're close. Just get it out of the way, wildcard into a really strong 11, like you say, not worry about your bench too much and pile in on the best possible 11 players that you could have for the money. That being said, though, I think the triple captaincy chip is so far and away best used in this game week. I think unless you are very, very close to bench boosting anyway, and you're happy enough uh, triple captaining a weaker player, but also in a a decently attacking side against two very good fixtures um, in, in Solanke, that is, in game week 28, or taking a gamble that something pops up in game week 37 that is also fairly appealing then I think that it just makes a lot of sense to triple captain this game week, get it done and focus on things like the free hit and the bench boost around the wild card and, and try to string those together a little bit in the back 10 game weeks. I mean, I, 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 the, the only sort of, I know that I've, I've heard loads of people kind of do mongering about 37. I'm not, not saying you are, but I know you're kind of, it's kind of um, appreciable caution. I think sure, the, only, yeah. the only thing I would say is that um, a lot of the time it's probably fine. It, it was absolutely, I've got no problem at all after many years of struggling with trying to get kind of 30 players on the double game week uh, for bench boost. It's absolutely fine to sing, sing, just have good single game week as bench boosted. I was absolutely yeah, yeah, of course. no problem with that. And that sort of bells you out a little bit. I mean, even though, yes, I agree with you, 
there's probably going to be some sort of ifs and buts about this. I'm pretty sure, you know, we, we might end up, I'm sure we'll end up with those like Spurs players, for example. They've got Burnley at home on in, on, in game week 37. I'm pretty sure we'll have Man City players. They've got a Fulham away that week. I'm, I'm sure these these teams may have double game weeks that week. I don't, I don't, I haven't looked that far ahead to be honest with you. But there's always going to be ways around it, and who knows who's in form, quote unquote, around that. Um, so there's loads of different ways that you can kind of skin that particular cat. I, you know, I wouldn't be too worried about kind of waiting until 37 if that's something that's going to really upset you, <laughs> you know, and think, oh, I've got a boost now because 37 is going to be an absolute you know, disaster zone. It rarely is, and normally it's absolutely fine to just have single game weekers who've got a good game. You know, usual odds of, of a single game weeker doing all right. Like most given weeks, you're going to have three or four players in your team doing something, at least at the very minimum, unless we get kind of those 29 pointers that we've had in the not too decent and not, not too recent past. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's too bad at all. But yeah, there are always pros to bench boosting early. Um, it's just that you know it very much depends on, on where your team is. And I think that kind of idea of hashtag team dependency um again also filters into the best transfers this week. Um because obviously you know, there are those four teams and I think that's almost definitely going to be the case that we'll be looking at those players from those teams. Um I don't know, like you know, if you don't have Saka for example and they've got Burnley away, maybe you'd be looking at that. But I'm sure everybody's been looking at double game because let's, let's not lie. <laughs> um and I think maybe it's best to kind of look at each team in turn potentially and kind of just assess kind of where they are and how things are so i'll give kind of a stat rundown um for, for them and then we can kind of discuss them perhaps especially mm-hmm. in terms of man city and liverpool i think it might be the third player um that might be the, the most interesting thing if you are yeah. kind of looking to, to to buy more um starting, starting with man city um so the fourth best team in terms of xg um second best in terms of xgc um in terms of the non-penetrative numbers, at Holland's top, obviously, a second overall. Um, Alvarez is the second best Man City um, asset in terms of non-penetrative. Um, he's eighth overall uh, this season, um, equal with Son, um, twelve point eight. Uh, Foden is fifteenth um, overall this year, ten point one, and then Bernardo, um, you know, somewhere down in the in, in the depths, uh, six point five uh, is is the uh, is the fifth best uh, is the fourth best at Man City kind of asset um, in terms of non penetrative and Ake is the highest um, scoring defender on that metric. Mm-hmm. In terms of the projections this week on FPL Review, um, Foden top, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Holland top, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, Foden of 9.9, KDB 9.8, so you know, two sides of the same coin. Edison, the highest projected scoring defensive asset, and Alvarez down at 7.8. Uh, interesting one there, Sam. You texted me something earlier, um, which I immediately got out the... Shut up, bro. Give me your phone. Meme, yeah. Yeah. You've, you've, you've had too much beer. Um, mm. There's a world in which I buy Edison this week. Would you mind explaining there it is. that? Just so I can laugh. It's highly dependent. Um, obviously, I think there is one universe. If we were in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's one of the multiverse scenarios. But looking at some different routes I could take if Trent isn't fit. And one of the questions we got in the chat was, about potential Trent replacements if he's not fit. If we got news that he was a big, big doubt, probably not going to get good minutes, then rather than get going for Ake and and Allison, for example, as, as the two I bring in, I could switch that and go for Van Dyke with Edison, potentially. Now, that would give me 
two double extra double game weekers selling selling one so i'd be up to six overall which i think is fine also without a hit as well and it also means that i can navigate the next couple of game weeks pretty pretty reasonably as well i think it'd be one hit in game week 26 and then um i could also t maybe take one hit to pile into uh, the double game week and I think I could get myself up to three or four double game week players in game week 28 on that strategy as well so I'm not it's definitely not my favoured move at the moment but there is a, a set of scenarios where that is the way I go I think one reason that it does tempt me a little bit is because at the moment we're obviously trying to search out that third city asset for me I can't really get to KDB without ripping apart my team and selling Saka who I just don't want to sell ahead of the Burnley game with that in mind I look towards the defense and, and goalkeepers obviously for city assets where in defense in particular I, there aren't any defenders that I would confidently say get get two starts in that double game week. I think the most likely you've already mentioned is Ake. He's also the most attacking in terms of the underlying data of those defenders too. So I do really like him. He is more, the more likely route I take. But even he, I am a little bit hesitant and think, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, Pep could easily rest him in one of these games and he would get like maybe five minutes off the bench, which we have seen him do with Ake before because of his height, because he's very good from the set pieces. If they're trying to close out a match or trying to win it in the last few minutes, Ake could be a player that comes on for five minutes to try and either shore up the defence or attack the set pieces. So this is like a 2% worry about Ake at the moment, but it is a consideration that if I went for Edison and Van Dyke, I'm pretty much banking 180 minutes in both cases. Whereas with the other route, it's probably more like 150 and 180 on average. And there's the the off off chance that Ake annoys me. But then also in double game week, uh, sorry, in single game week 26, when a lot of other players are blanking. Ake could also get rested then, and I'm really in trouble because I'm taking a hit to get out 11 anyway. If Ake also doesn't play, then I'm looking at 10 men. I suppose that's it's definitely true. And what, what I, a way of looking at this is that it's almost like a triple game week for yeah. Man City and Brentford. Because um, they've got by 26. Uh, Man City spacing a Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Brentford's a little bit nicer. Um, if I remember correctly, um, just he says pulling up put it at the FPL website just to see. Uh, yes, Saturday, <laughs> Tuesday, Monday. Um, so you've got more chance of the, the Brentford player kind of playing twice. Um, but it's still, I, I don't know, I'm still kind of, I, I do quite like as, as the third Man City asset. I think assuming you own Haaland and probably one of Foden and KDB, I think the, the ideal probably would be Haaland, Foden and KDB. Yeah. We're both in a situation where we can't quite do that so if you do want a third one which i think both of us are kind of set on and kind of reflecting my um my bold claim my my kind of inclination at the moment is to have a punt on ake really um if i were to kind of bring in another city player um and yeah i, I don't know I, I kind of feel like both the teams that they are playing there will be a need for ake's height 
<laughs> potentially Certainly the Brentford game Certainly I, I Brentford would say game. yeah um, we'll have to see what happens in, with the Copenhagen and we'll try to kind of do some uh, tea leaf reading um, yeah you're right maybe, yeah, maybe maybe Chelsea I'm kind of just hoping <laughs> for the best and maybe it'll be Brentford and Bournemouth will be the two games where, where Ake will be needed I don't know I, I quite like the fact that Ake is kind of ex-Chelsea and ex-Bournemouth <laughs> it's one of those mm. where you look at it and think oh you know um, will you be extra motivated to score goals choose that adventure <laughs> choose it MBS um, yes, uh, highest non-penetrative for defenders amongst Man City players seems to be um, you know in the past there's been kind of a bit of a revolving door in terms of which player which defender seems to be the uh, the, the bedrock of, of that defence in the past it's been you know, Ruben Diaz Laporte who's obviously not, not around anymore um, Stones um, but this season it does seem to be Ake who's been given that sort of he's in the circle of trust i guess for pep yeah uh, started every game since game week 16 which of course now means that he's gonna end up on naughty step doesn't it sam um but i, th- I think that you know I, I, he definitely has sort of the upside man city's got the defensive sort of um aesthetic as well on paper at least to mean that it's kind of fine with him i don't know i just can't i, I just can't countenance buying edison i just i just can't i've, I've, yeah. I've had more than enough, and both of us have got Leno anyway. So they've got a 26 goalkeeper and 29 goalkeeper. It just does not seem worth it to me. Mm. Yeah. Right. Liverpool then. Um, best for Team XG, uh, third best for XGC. Um, in terms of the uh, team uh, non pen XGI this year, Salah is number one um, for them and not number one overall as well. Obviously, potentially less consideration with this double. Um, I suspect that with the three, um, Darwin, Jota, and and Diaz scoring uh, this game week, and indeed have been kind of upholding the banner fairly well uh, during Salah's absence. I don't think he's going to be rushed back. Um, no, we're going to choose your own adventure, but I don't think that's going to be the case. If you held Salah this long, then maybe you just kind of just just keep him now and play him with the captain him though and um, darwin's actually third overall for non gi in the league 16.2 not far off Holland at all uh lewis diaz down in the trenches 39th uh trent very near him 43rd um, again wait for updates on trent we don't know what the situation is with him um, and his fitness and we've heard all sorts of rumors i'm sure you will have as well about his kind of enduring fitness and jota and Sabotsly are both joint on 6.3 jota's been out for a fair a little while FPL review wise uh, Darwin is seen as kind of the top scorer potentially this uh, double game week um, mm-hmm. followed by Luis Diaz and Jota very close together I haven't mixed I haven't messed with the X minutes so Jota's X minutes are fairly low on FPL review if you up them I'm sure it'd be better than Diaz maybe close to Darwin and then there's Virgil and there's Robbo um, there I think that the inherent sort of um, expectation that Trent's going to be out for a little while um so I, I think the, the two on screen you've watched on YouTube of um, Darwin and Jota, those are the ones that I suppose that you know, I think most people did kind of get to them last week. It's, it's a lot of people sort of a misfortune as well. because a lot of people did, did sell Saka um, for Jota. Um, but it does feel like those two, Sam, do seem to be the most sort of popular out there. Yeah, I, I would certainly say they're the two locks that I would have as Liverpool players this game week if you can get to them. You say everyone went for them last week, but the effective ownerships on both were well, well under 100%. So yeah. there's still gains to be made. They're not they're not being purchased by everyone just yet. They, it will rise yet again, but um, because all, all the captaincy is going to be on Haaland, I'd imagine that both of these will be fairly comfortably under 100 once again. And then I guess it's... After that, who is the third most important Liverpool player to bring in? I think with City, 
it, it was fairly obvious. But with Liverpool, I think it is much more up in the air. Obviously, if Trent was fit, then it would probably be him. Outside of that, though, and because it's looking relatively unlikely that he is going to be fit enough to start both, it, it becomes a bit of a minefield. Is it Alisson for the X-Mins? Is it Van Dijk for the same reason and adding in some sort of bullet header in one of the double game week fixtures? Or is it chasing the upside like we mentioned earlier with Luis Diaz? And I think for, for my money, my preference at the moment would be Van Dyke out of the three I've just mentioned. But um, second, not far behind would be Alisson either, if you don't mind spending a little bit more on a keeper. I think I think a lot of people who have triple Liverpool are Trent owners at the moment. And if he is a question mark, I think it's just an easier switch to Van Dyke than it is to get across to Alisson. So that would probably be my answer for the, for the time being. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I, so I, I quite fancy Robertson as well, to be honest. Yeah, um, good shout. Good shout. There's no... No real issue there. And um, if we do kind of get issued with the idea that Trent's likely going to miss both games, then Connor Bradley, um, if you can afford to bench him <laughs> um, in 26, just becomes a bit of a standout, doesn't he, really? At 4.1, um, mm. could be just a really outrageous kind of pickup, especially because I mean, they missed 26 and they got Forrest in 27, and you know, maybe be able to bench him in 28 as well against Man City. And yeah, either him, uh, Virgil or Robertson, would be fine. Uh, Virgil for being on the end of the clip of, of, of the corners and Robertson for taking the corners. Um, both absolutely fine to me. Um, Robertson's first 90 minutes against Burnley, wasn't it? Um, since the um, since the shoulder injury. Um, yeah. but that I, would I, make me worry, though, a little bit. I'm, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Gomez has been questioning himself well, but I mean, if, if Connor Bradley and Gomez kind of both play one game apiece, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Robertson just come back into it. Because it's his shoulder, isn't it? It's not kind yeah. of a general, an, an injury which is kind of affecting his body. Hashtag armchair physio. Jim yeah. <laughs> so, McCats as well, though. So there are there are other options. He's back he in the fold now. Yeah, yeah okay. he is. He got minutes the it's other day, over. I think. Oh, it's all over. It's all over. Ignore me. Ignore me. Yeah. No, so, so Virgil, <laughs> I do yeah. think he's still a good option, though. Yeah, so I think, yeah, probably Virgil then has to be the one. You got one minute, Sam. <laughs> one minute, yeah. So that, that's so, that. minutes. It's not minutes. Is, is it minute? minutes? Minutes. Oh, he, he got, he got minute. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound good. You got minute the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just, be, I'm just being, just being correct. I'm just being graphically correct. So I sound like a weirdo. Um, yes. So yeah, third player. I think if if they didn't have the twenty six blank. I'd be mm. all over Van Dyke. Honestly, yeah. I would be like because it obviously got ninety minutes um, in the bag. Uh, unlike Ake, where there's always going to be kind of oh, you know, could could he end up playing? You know, Jamal Lewis, Akanji, and Stones and Walker. You know, that, that's obviously M. Rico Lewis. Yeah, Rico Rico Lewis. <laughs> what did I say? Jamal. <laughs> Jamal Lewis. Oh, that's, that's the wrong Lewis entirely. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, could that could that happen? Possibly, almost definitely. In fact, I'm sure we'll see that happen at some point. Um, yeah. Whereas Van Dyke, you know he's going to play. It's it's just kind of manual, moving everything around afterwards is going to be a pain in the ass. So probably not for me, even though I quite like it. And obviously, you know, if you buy Liverpool player in this week and you were able to kind of keep them for 27 against Nottingham Forest that'd be fine but you've got to get rid of them really for 28 um, mm. for, for the Man City game anyway and then the 29 blank too so yeah Virgil, I suppose, is, is the third. Um, but I, I don't mind if you if you do have a plan um, for Luis Diaz. Um, I've I noticed, I mean, 
that everybody seems to be piling in on the two that we've mentioned. Um, I'm sure it was that Joss is the second most bought and Darwin's the third. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, they're, they're both kind of second and third most bought and they're around the sort of same level of buys around okay. 150k, something like that. And Diaz is kind of a sat kind of indifferential status right now. Uh, less owners than Darwin, half owners of Darwin. So if, if you didn't, have, didn't own Jotter and you just fancied a bit of differential, why not? <laughs> why not go there? Okay. Mm. Great. Uh, so on to teams that we may not have even one for. Uh, Brentford. So Brentford are eighth best for XG and uh, still fourth best for, for XGC, as we noticed a little while back. Uh, the really decent XGC, but seems to be conceding a lot, mm. as is every team in the Premier League right now. Um, mostly irrelevant in terms of the overall rankings, in terms of um, non-pen XGI. Uh, Bumo's obviously injured. Uh, Vissa has, is out of favour. Um, he's still kind of in the 30s somewhere. Mo Pay is actually the third highest uh, for non-pen SGI in the team. Um, he's around sort of Lewis Diaz and Trent levels um, with 7.2 non-pen SGI this year. Um, and there's Yano, Norgard, all these sort of no-hoper um, kind of individuals around five-ish. And the best defenders are Pinnock, 2.7, pretty paltry. And, um, you know, Reguillon, Tony, they haven't been around for anywhere near long enough, of course, to really matter. Um, in terms of FPL review, Tony, obviously top, 7.3. Uh, Flecken, mm-hmm. 6.3, um, expected points. And then you've got, you know, Norgard, Norgard my man Jensen, and Yan mm-hmm. out, all expected to get kind of 4.4-ish. Um, I said earlier on, Brentford are quite attractive um, because they've got the 25 double, they've got 26 um and they've also got 29. Um, so that could be a big positive. For me, I think I'm going to swerve them entirely um, for the time being. Um, Tony um, probably will come in for me later on down the line and um, probably looking at kind of slanky straight in um, and then him um, slanky again out in 29 for Tony. But I notice if you look at the um, top chances out of this game week, okay, a lot of people are going for Holland, um, but the people who are selling Solanke, 175,000 sales for him, same with Alvarez, 160,000 sales for Watkins. There's got to be quite a lot of people buying Tony as well, who's got kind of 86,000 buyers in. Um, I think that, you know, Holland. Darwin, Tony, if I was free hitting this week, would be the kind of the front three of choice. I mean, are you tempted to break the tenets of what we said about Watkins and bin him off for Tony, Sam? As it stands, no. Um, I, I I don't know what it is. I I, I love Ivan Tony as well. I that both Watkins and Tony I've got a real soft spot for, but Watkins has just been so consistent this season, even against Man United. He did blank, but he had a couple of really good chances. His underlying data was actually better than the week before when he got 18 points. So I think he was just unfortunate. And that happens for a striker every now and then. Now, obviously, Tony is fantastic. He's got double the amount of games in game, in game with 25 that, than Watkins has. But Watkins has got the better fixture than than Tony has in either of those games and then also stumbles into a really decent run after that as well and also plays in game week 29 so really it's just a straight shootout between do do you think over the next stretch of fixtures Watkins will be a decent enough hold and is going to outscore Tony I would say or for for at least the period that I don't plan on having Tony and I, I would say that there's a decent chance that he does outscore him. So I'm pretty happy holding on to Watkins for the time being, especially also in my situation, if I sell Watkins for Tony, it would probably be for a hit. I should mention that because there are other moves that I 
definitely want to prioritize first before I would make that one. So again, the minus four weighs into that decision. But overall, I'm pretty happy as a Watkins owner. I think he's been performing fantastically recently, ticking over very nicely. Great fixtures to come, great underlying data and a fixture in game week 29 as well. I think by the time we get to 29, I will also have Tony, but it won't be at the expense of Watkins unless something changes later on this week. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, yeah, he's got a double this week, Tony, but it's Liverpool at home, Man City away, two of the best defence in the league. Um, Watkins has got Fulham away. We've got Leno, so that means he's going to concede a buttload of goals uh, to to Mr. Watkins this week, I'm sure. And then, yeah, you're right. So 26-28, I don't intend to own Tony for those. Watkins has got Forrest at home, Luton away, Spurs at home versus uh, Brentford having West Ham away, Chelsea at home and Arsenal away. Yes, Tony is one of those players who is perhaps fixture-proof, to use that horrible cliche, but still people are welcome to be selling Watkins as far as I'm concerned. Um, I've, mm. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and I don't think I'll be doing it again. And plus, he's got that 29, you know? So you'll be cutting off your nose to spite your face. You're probably going to want him again in 29 uh, for West Ham, especially if West Ham are as abject as they as they've been, as they were against Arsenal. I'm sure there'll be a reaction there. Um, but still, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. But with Brentford, Sam, I suppose the, the only sort of real tempter is... Uh, either Flecken or Region, but yeah. even, even then, Region, the fixtures aren't great. Um, next kind of three, I suppose, Liverpool, Man City and West Ham, none of them fill me with, with much hope, to be honest, of any sort of return. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. hoping you're a lucky assist, obviously he's on corners as well. Um, so maybe that could be something. Um, but Flecken I, Flecken, I suppose, would be the only one I'd go to. And if I was bench boosting this week, I'd definitely be buying him in straight away. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm just not particularly interested. The only kind of thing that has crossed my mind is moving Leno out for, for Flecken. That's the only way I think that I, that's the only thing I potentially would be interested in doing, I think, if I was approaching Brentford or wanting to make a different defensive transfer this week. But I don't really see, you know, the upsides are so, it's so random, isn't it, with goalkeepers? It's just difficult to really quantify. Yeah, I think the problem with Brentford defenders at the moment is you really don't expect clean sheets in either of those games. I mean, who knows? They could pull off a really big upset and not concede against one of those two clubs. But both of those clubs are on fire at the moment, especially from an attacking point of view. I'd be very surprised if they kept them out. Um, And then obviously with Flecken in mind, you're just relying on save points and you're not only relying on those save points coming in, but you're also relying on on those save points outweighing the amount of goals he concedes because for every two he concedes, it's minus one anyway. So you're hoping that he actually has a really good save to conceded ratio in that double. So it's not going to be an easy one to navigate. Who knows? He might keep a clean sheet at random or get a pen save, but I think it's not enough for me to want to dive on him at this point. I think for me personally, out of the keepers, uh, Kaminsky would be slightly more interesting because I can hide him in game week 26 anyway with Fle- with um, Leno playing that game week, then get an extra double in 28 as well. So I think he would potentially make more sense as a secondary keeper, but obviously not the only playing keeper I'd have in my in my team. I'd have to have him as a a squad rotation keeper. 
Yeah, nice segue to Luton there as well. <laughs> so fourth bottom team for um, Team XG still, despite the recent tear, and uh, second bottom for Team XGC. Uh, Adibayo is their best player in terms of non-pen XGI. Uh, same non-pen XGI as Jota, uh, 6.3. Then kind of Barkley, Ogbené and Morris, uh, they're kind of around kind of five-ish. And then Doughty, um, non-pen XGI, as best among defenders, of course. Um, in terms of FPL review, um, Adibayo and Kaminsky. Oh, there's a goal, Sam. Um, of, of, uh, are kind of top for that um, and then Barkley, Morris and Doughty are kind of 4.8 um, but as you say there's a lot of interest in, in, in Kaminsky uh, Gallagher scored again um, wow yeah um, remember when he was in FPL asset when he was at Palace yeah I think, I, think I, I saw earlier on that he scored them his most goals against Palace as well wow. as a player so you know, there you go it's even more now yeah exactly he loves them loves them anyway <laughs> Yeah, Luton. Harbour assist. Oh, oh, lad, finally points, points, points. Uh, Lovely stuff. Um, so Luton then, I suppose it's Kaminsky. I, I do like Doughty. Um, you know, obviously you're buying with them is an interesting one because obviously I said Brentford were in that kind of gold lock zone of having 29. And the odds are, if things do kind of go to as the bookies odds say they will go, the odds are that Luton will have that 29 versus Nottingham Forest. They have the mm-hmm. double obviously in 28, got the double now. Um, so if you do buy a Luton player, um, maybe even get two Luton players, the kind of the hope is, I suppose, if you can navigate 26, that you've got double in 28 and you've got a game in 29. So basically, you're buying one extra game, two extra games maybe even three extra games by going there. You've got none at the moment. Any thoughts of moving to maybe a Doughty or would it be the case that you just leave it to 28 potentially? I do like Doughty. I, I think the attacking upside is there more so than with any of the, his other teammates in defence and also than the than the Brentford assets in defence as well. Um, we've seen the amount of chances he creates. It's kind of ridiculous for a for a player in a team like Luton. Um, So I do like him a lot. Structurally, it doesn't really work for me at the moment because I'm already carrying um, three Liverpool at the moment. If I swap out one, then it's just another blanker in game week 26. Anyway, I've also got Palmer and Poro to worry about too. So I think for my structure, it doesn't really work that well. But I do completely understand the temptation to go there. I will be... Um, crossing my fingers that he doesn't get a couple of assists in the double, which I think is possible. Um, I think with Luton players in mind, as I mentioned earlier, Kaminsky probably makes the most sense from a strategic point of view because he's another player that you can hide on your bench in game week 26 without worrying about having to make a transfer. So with all the other Luton players you bring in or the extra Liverpool players, you've got to have a plan for how you're either going to sell them again in game week 26 to make sure you've got a starting 11 or you've got a maximum of three of them on your playing uh, outfielders on the bench. So with Kaminsky, we've obviously not got that problem. So it means that you can actually bring up your your maximum amount of blankers that game week to four rather than three and, and still have a full playing 11. So yeah, I, I, I can see Kaminsky being probably a decent pickup, um, but not expecting necessarily too much from the double, maybe a few save points here or there. Um, but yeah, over the next few game weeks, it might pay off. With Doughty, I think it's more difficult because there are other doublers we want. Um, but 
Uh, and players that would then blank in game week 26 that we want to hold. But if you can get to him, then it do, it does make a lot of sense. Lovely. No, it certainly makes a lot of sense. And Palmer's got another assist. Lovely, lovely. Brucey bonus. Brucey wow. bonus. Thanks, Rob Jones, in the chat for letting me know. <laughs> <laughs> I, if I was on Twitter right now, I'd be writing P A A. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> God, I'm a loser. Uh, but yes, absolutely. Um, good question in the chat earlier on. Uh, now we've kind of um, gone through it and we've mentioned a couple of players already. Um, who's your favourite under-the-radar pick uh, for double game week players this week? Asked uh, Nathan Jacobson. Um, so, I mean, we've both mentioned Ake as potential buys-in. Um, I think we both kind of like that as a mm-hmm. potential. Um, I mean, you've got kind of Doku and Bernardo Silva. Um, I'm not sure about them really. And Diaz, I think, and Van Dyke would both kind of fairly kind of qualify. Uh, Rob's just said in the chat um about Carl- Carlton Morris being on pens for Luton, which is another potential sort of string in his True. bow. Yeah. Um, I just I just don't see um where the space is really um in in the uh, in, in the forward line really for him, Rob. Um but you, you know, it is definitely one the uh, same with Adebayo that yeah if you want to go there, sure, why not? Um I don't know. Um I think maybe I know we've kind of spoken about them, but maybe kind of Ake or oh, maybe a Diaz are the ones to go with. I mean if it was a free hit situation, I'd certainly be going with um Jota, Diaz and Darwin, all three of them. Um, would you? If, yeah, but if it didn't have if it didn't have Jota as well, I would be really tempted to just go with Diaz, knowing that I'd be having one week and then getting rid of him straight away, mm-hmm. just because on any given kind of small scenario, he could buy him in, couldn't you? Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, we've mentioned him already, but Robertson would be a very nice little differential. We know the upsides there; the ownership's going to be extremely low. Um, it is just a question of whether or not he starts both games so soon after coming back from the injury and with Simicas Gomez waiting in the wings. Um, but the upside is there. He's on set pieces as well. You can visualise the the header from someone like Van Dyke um, in the in the box from one of his corners as well. Um, outside of that, you're uh, ju- just because we kind of skimmed over him a little bit earlier, but I found it really interesting that um, Neil Mapai actually has a better underlying XGI per 90 than Ivan Tony, his teammate so far this season, which is obviously very <laughs> short sample size. Yes, but, yeah. but I did find it very, Ooh. very entertaining that Mapai actually technically has been doing better on the underlying data so far than Tony. No one in their right mind is going there. I completely understand that, especially because they've got uh, probably three or four other strikers they fancy over even Ivan Tony, perhaps. But if you wanted to be mega differential, if you wanted to free hit this week and you wanted to bring in someone that absolutely nobody is going to own and... Maybe even whack the armband on him and get the acclaim of FPL Twitter when he randomly gets 30 points. Then Mapai has the data. It could happen. Um, I just think it is fairly unlikely that it actually does. Right. If you've owned Darwin, seen, you've seen nothing yet when it comes to Mapai. If you ever owned him when he was at Brighton, my God. The guy was an absolute machine for missing chances and stuff, and Everton as well, of course. Um, all right, that's uh, the final bit this week. Um, selling single game weakers. Um, so has some sense been trampled by the rush for doublers? Um, Adam Pritchard um, asked, you know, 
question surrounding this. Uh, basically, is it worth taking hits to take out single game weakers for the likes of Liverpool players, etc., etc.? Um, Solanke, Bowen, Watkins, Porro, Richarlison, Saka, all on the list of players who have been sold by upwards of 50,000 managers. I don't know. Difficult one to really judge. And it's all hashtag team dependent. <laughs> but broadly, um, in terms of the non-pen XGI data, Watkins fourth overall. Um, yes, you said he blanked this this weekend, so maybe there's some people going, "Oh, he's blanked," and Tony's done another goal and bring him in. But you know, as you said, two big chances missed. Underlying data is obviously great. Uh, Saka fifth overall finally exploded back on pens, and also Burnley, uh, Slanky, who's being sold quite heavily, um, seventh overall for non-pen XGI, albeit now back six point nine. Very probably an easy buyback, so I can get more behind that one. To be honest with you, uh, Gordon, Richarlison, Palmer, thirteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth overall by that metric. Palmer two assists just now so that means he's kind of even higher there and Poro he's actually the highest ranking defender in terms of non-pen SGI this season 27th marginally better than Trippier so Sam selling single game weakers to link us back all together with the contemplate section it does feel like it has to be something taken with caution doesn't it and from what I said a second ago if you're selling the likes of Slanky and definitely selling the likes of Bowen then you can there's kind of buyback ability <laughs> with those players especially with Solanke having dropped in price but there are a few especially the two on the screen if you watch on YouTube um, with Watkins and Saka where you'd be looking at that and thinking hmm it's a bit more of a tough decision especially in Saka's case yeah I think Saka's the one that I think because he's now scored the two goals, people have clocked onto the fact that he is going to be a very good hold against Burnley. So hopefully that puts off some managers from going for KDB and it means that he's not over 100% EO, which I'm very scared he will be, but or at least close to. But Saka in his own right is going to be fantastic this week. Burnley um, are a bit all at sea at the moment. I do like the look of that Arsenal fixture for them. Um, well, I like the look of the Arsenal fixture against Burnley rather. I, there's no way I want I want to be selling Saka unless it was for one of the the most essential players, and that would have to be not for a hit. Um, yeah, and again, long longer term as well. He's a very good hold. Obviously, 29 is looking likely that he's going to blank, but outside of that, I think if you can even shield him on, on the bench in game week 29, then he's just a player that's putting up ridiculous underlying data. He's on penalties in a side that it is really hitting its verve at the moment. It's really, really looking like a team that know how to score goals all of a sudden. Whatever they did on their little winter break has worked. His underlying data is, I think, 0.8 XGI per 90, which is ridiculous for a midfielder of his price. So, yeah, I, I really think he is quite important to hold on to if you've already got him. Outside of that, Watkins, I think, is probably one notch down, but still very important to hold on to if you can. We've already discussed Tony. I think that that will be the main transfer. Um, Watkins to Tony, I, I see that happening, or Watkins to Darwin, perhaps. But generally speaking, I would try and hold on to Watkins unless you have to sell. Richarlison's one that I'd like to hear your thoughts on. Where, If you owned Richarlison at this point, where would you be at? Obviously, single game week this week against Wolves, good game, but not, not a great game. It's not as good as Burnley away from home for Saka, for example. But um, obviously, Son back, so he's probably on pens now. So that reduces Richarlison a little bit. Blank in game week 26 as well. Where, where would you stand on, Darwin, uh, on uh, Richarlison at the moment? 
I suppose I didn't be looking at 27 versus Palace, uh, 28 yeah. versus uh, Villa. Which so you tried to hold him. And then Fulham away in 29. Um, it would depend, hashtag independent, I guess, I guess again, it depended on how much money I had bound up in him, I suppose. Yeah. And um, how much sort of, I guess, efficiency, EV, whatever you want to put it, is in the transfer um, to, to, to sell him off. I, I'm not sure that I'd be doing it. Um, obviously, highly, highly team dependent. Um, but I'm, I'm still, I'm just not sure I'd be doing it, honestly, um, at the moment. But I, can, I, I think there's more, there's less of a case for selling him than there is for Bowen, for example, who's in a similar oh, yeah. sort of uh, boat, I suppose, um, but is playing for a team that I'd be less sort of infused about retaining an asset from. Absolutely, yeah. Bowen, I'd be fairly comfortable selling, to be honest. uh, Against Bryson, for example, his his underlying data, again, for for Richardson, that is, was was pretty good. Um, So it it won't be one where I'd be looking at it thinking, oh, you know, he's definitely kind of worth selling. It's it's, a similar sort of choose your own adventure to Watkins, really. Um, What do you need to do to convince yourself to sell these players? Well, it might just be he blanked the last game and I fancy a Luis Diaz for reasons that we've discussed and um, so I, I can see a world where, where that would be absolutely fine it's just basically um how it then kind of has i keep thinking we're downstream <laughs> for those downstream uh sort of impacts on your team and how you're going to make that all sort of fit together and um, that kind of where i'm at, where i am with all of that um so yeah selling single game players i guess sam it's always a fraught exercise and especially when it comes to a few performers it's going to be very difficult because um, if this week was a different week, obviously, if my aunt was my uncle, blah, blah, blah. But if this week was a different week and the fixtures weren't as kind for a lot of the top 10, then we'd be looking at it thinking, you know what? Screw it. Of course, we yeah. just kind of lean into it a bit more. Um, but as it is, there are so many teams with a decent single game week that you kind of think, well, you know what? Actually, it's probably not that incumbent on me to be selling. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's always about balance and weighing it all up, yada yada yada. Mm. Cool. Uh, anything else to add on all this? Uh not particularly just just to wrap up what you said there very correctly. I, I think just in so many seasons past when I've ended up selling a, a good a good asset that I like owning um with good underlying data with a single game week fixture so often I've been burnt by bringing in the double game weaker that I, I just feel like most of the time it just doesn't work when you're selling players like Saka, like Watkins. So yeah, ju- especially for a hit as well. So just be ultra careful that you have mapped it out with with several game weeks uh, vision in front of you as well. Obviously, unless you're wildcarding in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, even though it does expend a bit of cognitive load, it's definitely worth it. And as I said earlier on with the involvement stuff, it's it definitely um, where you're going to find your edge just to put a tiny bit of thought into it. Um, often, especially in the main season, a bit of thought can obviously be counteracted by luck. Um, but in this kind of period, a little bit of planning can go a long way. That's kind mm-hmm. of where I go with that. Cool. All right. Uh, our teams for this week then. On to you. Is me first, so triple captain is active and it is on Erling Haaland. And I've got, I've, you know, I've got, I've got Gordon, I've got Palmer. Um, or I could use that slot, um, to 
get Ake in for burn and you know put him on the pitch and do four three three. I could bench Poro. I've got that sort of I've got this, this balance again. Like, what do I do if I want to add another kind of double game week? So I've got Doughty, I've got Jota, I've got Foden, I've got Darwin, I've got Holland uh, double game weeking, and um, I've got. Um, the rest of my team is all full of good single game weekers: Saliba, Saka, um, Watkins, um, Poro at Wolves at home, and I still got Gordon, who's got Bournemouth at home after some miraculous recovery. Um, although at the moment, I maybe I just play Palmer to be honest, uh, rather than Gordon. Maybe I just do that right now. So there's definitely a feeling that I just roll it, um, because that's going to be much better for me downstream. Do I want to do that now, or do I want to lean into the double? That's definitely something I'm going to be thinking about over the course of this week. I, I'm not entirely sure. I do need to get rid of Burn. Like his time is surely nigh um, for your man Tino Livramento to come in. Um, again, been absolutely roasted um, by, by an opposing fullback, and that's uh, by an opposing winger, and that's going to be every opposition's playbook going forward. Surely, to just basically destroy <laughs> the left-hand side of Newcastle's defence. Um, so that's an enduring problem. Uh, next week, if I do roll it, I'm going to have to remove probably Burn, probably Gordon, and then take out one of the blanket. I don't know. I'll figure it all out. Um, mm. But yeah, at the moment, I'm I'm stuck between basically a roll or getting a doubler and, and having a really awkward bench situation. I'm really close to a bench boost here, to be honest. All you I are do so is, close, yeah. All I would do is get rid of Burn, get rid of Turner. I've got a bench boost ready and waiting to go. Do I want to do it? I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just hard to say no to Holland at the moment, really, um, with, the, with the triple captaincy. Um, so I think that might be what I do. But yeah, there's definitely a big case to bench boost. So it's something that I... I will think about, but I'm kind of 70 30 that I triple captain, and I think maybe 60 40. I might just roll it at the moment and make a decision between Palmer uh, and Gordon um, for this week going forward. I mean, Man City, uh, not exactly the, the you know, despite the SUC, the tightest defense going. Um, so there we go. Uh, what about you? Yeah, so a fa fairly similar situation. I do have five double game weekers. The problem with my fifth is that it's Trent rather than Doughty. So he's a big doubt. I really, really hope that he is given um, the all clear that he's going to be fit to start, but I doubt that's going to come. So I think that's going to be an issue. Um, I do have free transfers, only 0.1 in the bank. So like I mentioned earlier, one one combination I'm looking at is um, a combo of Allison or Edison with either Ake or Van Dyke um, potentially as as the double switch. Wouldn't need to take a hit. Brings me up to six double game weekers. And also if I'm bringing in Allison in goal, for example, it means that I'm a little bit better covered off next game week. And I can I think I can either get to a full 11, but that includes um, Charlie Taylor, sadly. Um, for uh, for no hits, but obviously then it's an, an 11 selling Taylor or, or find, finding another spot that's more reliable for a minus four, which isn't too bad at all. Um, but yeah, ge generally speaking, really happy with the way it's set up. Garnacho was starting over Palmer, but that was very much a bus team consideration based on fixture. I'm very 50-50 on that particular decision. Um, I think maybe just the fact that Palmer just just seems inevitable at the moment. I might just want to shield myself a little bit there against his old club. 
Chelsea obviously gave them a really good game last time out as well. So I can see points there and obviously on penalties, which Garnacho just doesn't have in his locker. Um, and I'd be lying if I said effective ownership didn't come into that decision a little bit as well. So I think Palmer probably shades it as it stands. Um, Estupinian as well, probably not a million miles away from starting, but based on how poor he's been in the last couple of fixtures, I'm pretty happy to just leave him on my bench, even against Sheffield United away from home as it stands. I like the upside of Porro. I really like the upside of an Arsenal centre-back against Burnley, who are the worst set-piece team in the league or worst defending set-pieces in the league. Arsenal are the best and Saliba and Gabriel seem to have some sort of competition, um, some sort of bet on um, as to who can score more bullet headers this season. So, um, yeah, I, I'm starting Saliba, no question. Um, so, yeah, two free transfers. Let me know if there's something I'm missing here um, that is obvious because uh, I could go in one of about a million different ways at the moment, but yeah. most likely double switch for one City, one Liverpool defender goalkeeper. Yeah, loads of it kind of hinges on Trent, doesn't it, really? That's, yeah, that's cool. yeah. Your, your main question mark and the rest of it sort of follows from there. As with, similar to me, you're, you're, really, you're, you're literally a tailor and a turner if, if Trent is fit away from a bench boost, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I suspect this is going to be the same across the board. I think most people have got a strong front eight now, as I said uh, last week or the week before, um, and you could very easily do that. I don't know. It's definitely kind of on the table, isn't it? And if, mm. if it, it is kind of quite a interesting sort of idea, but yeah, it's all about Trent for you. Um, and if Trent's not fit, then yeah, yeah you've, you've got a world of things. It might be worth um, you know just doing one move if that was the case, as you kind of said, to just in Trent to Ake and then having two free transfers for twenty six. That's going to be like a massive positive uh, for you because be then you can yeah. you, then you're kind of how many bankers you got one two. Five at the moment, I think. Yeah, five at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So you'd be able to get into going to twenty six without having without needing to take a hit, or I'll need to, and those other people need to. Mm. Um, that's One of those would be Taylor, though. Okay, well, it might be all right. You never know. Um, it might be yeah. even minutes on the bench is absolutely fine, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's a really strong situation to be in. I envy you. Um, so, yeah. There we go. Well, thanks so much for listening. Uh, just to say, um, upcoming FPL meets event. In London this Saturday, uh, usual frolics at the Thirsty Bear in Waterloo. Uh, find it at FPL Meets on X and let them know if you're coming. Um, I'll be there, which may put a few of you off attending. Um, but um, uh, just as a shout out, if, you, if you're thinking of coming alone and aren't sure, um, either come and find me um, when you get there um, or DM me in advance and we can meet there. It's always great for that. It's really great to just meet other people who are into FPL and things like that. Really just get chatting and have a really good day. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, really looking forward to that unfortunately sam you can't make that one right no i can't i i usually do attend but it is it is my girlfriend's birthday this saturday so i i definitely can't get away with making that our birthday surprise for this year i think um i would get dumped if i tried to pull that one so i'm sadly gonna have to miss this one but again i can't recommend um the fpl meets higher um i i remember the first one i went to you were one of the first people i bumped into um you feel at home within 20 seconds of turning up and obviously with the with the drinks flowing football on in the background it's going to be a triple captain week for a lot of a lot of us so yeah if you are in the london area i i would highly advise getting in contact and getting down there because it will be a lot of fun um in the meantime though uh thank you all so much for listening we really enjoyed this show 
Um, hopefully, we've assisted you. Uh, we have been who got the assist. Uh, you can find us on X at WGTA underscore FPL. You can find myself at FPL Pricey. Instagram and threads, we're also on uh, WGTA.FPL. Again, I'm just FPL Pricey on there. If you did enjoy the pod, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a follow on those social channels. But also, if you're listening in uh, via Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a five-star rating, that would be fantastic. And finally, if you're watching on YouTube, which a few of you are live right now, if you could leave a like and subscribe to the channel, again, that would go a long, long way for us. Great. Thanks, Sam. We hope you enjoyed the pods. We'll have to figure out when we are back next week. Might be usual Monday night slot. I was going to potentially suggest Wednesday, but I've just heard there's a team event next Wednesday at work, Aha. so not going to happen. Um, but we'll let you know. Um, have a good week. All the best for those tripling. Hope we just you think about the double game week ahead, and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.